Welcome to Five Books for Catholics, where an expert selects and explains five outstanding books on some aspect of Catholic life, doctrine, or culture. St. Thomas More, 1478 to 1535, was a leading humanist, English statesman, and ended his earthly pilgrimage as a martyr. The son of a judge, Moore received an excellent classical education before becoming a lawyer. After a period of vocational discernment, he decided to remain a layman rather than become a Carthusian. He married twice and had four children with his first wife. Elected to Parliament in 1504, he rose through a series of public offices until succeeding Cardinal Wolsey as Lord Chancellor. He was esteemed by leading humanists of the age such as Erasmus and Luis Juan Vives. He also engaged in theological debates with Martin Luther and took action to quell the nascent spread of Protestantism in England. However, he fell out of favour when he refused to recognise the validity of Henry VIII's marriage to Anne Boleyn and the king's claim to be the head of the church in England. Finally, after various attempts, a trial found him guilty of treason and he was executed, refusing up to the end to renounce his Catholic faith. He was beatified in 1886 and canonised along with St John Fisher in 1935. The memory of the two saints is celebrated on the 22nd of June and in 2000 St John Paul II named Thomas More patron saint of statesmen and politicians. In this interview, Frank Mitjans will take us through his pick of St Thomas More's writings and studies on him. Frank Mitjans is an architect who has worked in London since 1976 and has long been interested in St Thomas More. Since August 2002, he has given many presentations and talks on the topography of Moore's London to groups of students and other interested people in Britain, Ireland and Sweden. He has published various papers in St Thomas More and more recently the book Thomas More's Vocation, published by Catholic University of America Press. Frank, welcome. Welcome, uh, Father Dominic. You've mentioned that a visit to an exhibition on Thomas More at the National Gallery started your interest in him. Why did it spark your interest in him and how did that interest develop? Well, that uh, exhibition, I was um, um, invited to attend that exhibition by uh, an author, who had written a, a book, a biography of Thomas More in 1962. So he, he was um, very keen on Thomas More already. And so he invited me to the exhibition and I found the exhibition very interesting. Um, yeah, so that's that, yeah. And that got you interested in researching on St Thomas More and writing on him? Well, uh, up to point, uh, much later, I, I met uh, Jerry Wergama, um, of Dallas University, and he is the one that um, we discussed many things um, of Thomas More, and he is the one that uh, encouraged me to be interested. And I attended uh, two conferences in Dallas, and uh, and then I, I uh, somehow um, uh, just say a bracket. You mentioned uh, Father Dominic that um, uh, Thomas More thought of being a Carthusian. Well, this is something that uh, we don't have any record that anybody said that uh, he was thinking of being a Carthusian. He was living 
uh, near the London Charterhouse, uh, and he participated in some of the um, practices uh, of piety with the Cartusian, and he um, somehow built up an aesthetical um, life. Uh, but nevertheless, of being a Cartusian is not something that he said or something that uh, Erasmus or his son-in-law uh, William Roper or any of the biographers said is something that uh, modern authors somehow conclude conclude by the fact of being near the charter house. But this is another matter, not not, not necessarily related to thinking of being a Cartusian. And are there any other aspects of his biography you'd like to stress that haven't been mentioned already? Yeah, I think that the, in my book, Thomas More's vocation, the, the, let me see, there is an issue here, which of course, um, uh, we know that Thomas More uh, is a saint because um, the church uh, has canonized him and the church canonized him because um, it is obvious that he was a martyr. However, um, the point is not that um, he was the same because he was a martyr, is that he received the grace of martyrdom because all his life um, tried to respond to God's call. And, and therefore, in the book that I wrote about Thomas More's vocation, uh, I tried to focus on his early um, writings in early, his early choices. Uh, and we see that when he was quite young, he was writing um, poetry and he um, put somehow God in the first place. Um, there is this uh, early poem um, that um, <clears throat> the, the, the pigeons of, uh, of life, which um, He's writing in English, and yet at the end um, he writes uh, the last um, stanza in Latin, and and he um, states um, that um, uh, the love of God is the greatest thing that uh, somehow. So we see his interior life, his spiritual life, um, from very 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 much from the beginning, from his upright uh, upbringing. But um, and of course, in fact, these these um, these early um, uh, poems are prior prior to living near uh, the Charter House, for instance. But Saint Thomas More is just one of many of the Church's saints. What makes why is he worth reading today? How is the 16th century humanist and statesman relevant for us today? Absolutely. So. So he, uh, there are many saints, of course, uh, however, and I think that we can learn from all the saints. However, um, he was a man that um, uh, at some stage was very much in, in, uh, uh, in a position, a prominent position. Um, and uh, he was at some stage the, the Lord Chancellor, which is the, the highest um, uh, minister of the king uh, at the time, um, and confronted with um, serving 
the king and uh, keeping his own position, he decided uh, to um, uh, sigh with uh, the demands of his conscience. Now, I think it's important to speak about conscience. Uh, the demands of the conscience is not what he thought. The, the conscience is his uh, uh, willingness to do always the, the will of God. Um, and and uh, what Henry uh, uh, VIII um, was uh, um, very adamant that he wanted to um, divorce uh, his wife. Uh, he sought an annulment. Um, he was, the annulment was not granted. Uh, in all this process, uh, Thomas More was very clear of the validity of the of the um, uh, marriage between Henry and uh, Elizabeth, and uh, sorry, I mean <clears throat> the the marriage between Kennedy and, and Catherine, um, <clears throat> and 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 therefore, well, he he could not in any way uh, agree with uh, what Henry was uh, uh, trying to do. Mm. And this, not just uh, um, somehow giving his opinion, but this meant uh, the, the, the fact that he uh, gave his life um, for the validity of the marriage and, uh, and, and for the unity of the Catholic Church. And Henry, the only way that Henry thought of obtaining the marriage when the annulment was not granted by the Pope was to make himself the head of the church. Uh, and this, um, again, everybody else, um, all the bishops in Parliament, except uh, John Henry, um, went along with what the king was uh, aiming. Uh, and John Henry, a person, John Fisher, and, and Thomas More refused um, to go along with that and put um, gave priority to be faithful to God. On a less scholarly note, many know St. Thomas More from popular media. On the one hand, Robert Bolt's play, A Man for All Seasons, adapted into an Oscar-winning film by Fred Zinnemann, presents Moore as a man of integrity and a martyr of conscience. On the other hand, Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall trilogy, legitimate into a TV series, presents him as a rigid authoritarian hell-bent on torturing Protestants. Which of the two literary presentations is the more accurate? <laughs> well, uh, Mantel got a prize for a fiction, um, and that's uh, that's fine. I mean, she writes well, and she wrote fiction, um, so that's fine. No? So, so, so one thing is fiction. Uh, uh, the the other the other is a play, a play that of course plays uh, always are uh, portray a, a specific accent. There is a, a play. A play has to have. This, this unity of timing, unity of um, uh, scene, of place, and therefore um, the, the, the artist is not writing history either. So one thing is fiction, the other thing is a play, but that play, I think it is the, the accurate, it gives an accurate character of Thomas More, even though there are many aspects of the play that we can discuss, and, and they are not historical. Um, I think that the best way of 
um, um, having a vision of um, Hillary Mantel uh, is to go to um, the um, <coughs> website of Professor um, <coughs> Richard Rex, a professor of Reformation history in Cambridge University. Richard Rex um, emphasized this point that that elemental uh, <laughs> rights fiction, uh, but also a fiction that in no way is accurate. Richard Rex uh, somehow um, says that uh, Hillary Mantel um, uh, transfer the virtues and the good humor of Rex to Thomas Cromwell uh, and the defects of Thomas Cromwell into the, into the, into Thomas More. So uh, she she somehow um, uh, changed the characters of one or the other. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean. But I, I, even though she writes fiction, she'll be let her off the hook so easily because she's writing historical fiction, and she's trying to shape the public's perception of historical figures. Perhaps not in the most honest of ways. <laughs> okay, okay. So anyhow, one one can uh, write uh, historical novels. Um, uh, Benson wrote uh, historical novels, but both historical novels and and plays somehow have to 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 convey um, the the truth. Have to play properly the character or the person, um, and and this is not the case. Uh, in any way of Hillary Mountain. Um, yeah. So uh, she takes a position of, uh, of denigrating uh, uh, Thomas More, and I don't think that there is any, uh, in any way, um, a way of defending uh, her work. Okay, she says that she has uh, um, done a lot of research. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't uh, imply that um, what she portrays uh, it's in any way accurate. In the motu proprio, which he declared St. Thomas More patron of statesmen and politicians, St. John Paul II noted nonetheless that, and here I quote him, in his actions against heretics, he reflected the limits of the culture of his time. Did Thomas More adopt reprehensible means against early English Protestants? Sorry? Did he adopt reprehensible means against early English Protestants? Okay, so let's see. So, in England, uh, in uh, 1401, um, a uh, parliament um, passed a bill uh, in which um, the the heretics were meant to be um, uh, somehow uh, stopped and uh, judged. And, uh, and then uh, were have to be punished, and the bill established that um, the burning of heretics. Okay, so uh, this is not an invention of Thomas More, and this is a bill of Parliament, the English Parliament, in 1401. Okay, uh, <clears throat> was mainly um, uh, because uh, or, or against the law. Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, when taking any public office, the 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 civil servants had to um, uh, agree 
to um, this bill of parliament and therefore to um, oppose uh, um, the expansion of heretics. Okay, so this is something that um, uh, Thomas More uh, had to um, somehow uh, take the, the, I don't know whether it was an oath itself, okay, of <clears throat> uh, not, not just when he became uh, Lord Chancellor, but even before, okay. So I think this, this whole issue is very well explained once again by Richard Rex in the Cambridge Companion of Thomas More, which is published, I think, in uh, 2011, perhaps. Um, and there is a chapter um, <clears throat> Richard, um, by Richard Rex uh, on um, <clears throat> uh, whether uh, was he a uh, fanatic uh, um, persecuting heretics or a statesman. And Richard Rex explains very well the, the, the issues. Okay. Now, then, uh, the situation is that from January 1518, uh, Lutheran books uh, start coming into England, uh, and uh, Henry VIII, uh, well, the, the first information that we have is that Erasmus writes to Thomas More about these Lutheran books. Henry VIII takes some interest, but as soon as Luther um, writes uh, in, uh, in a way the captivity of Babylon, uh, in a way that it is clearly subversive, that uh, Henry VIII considers that uh, is going to um, uh, cause a um, uh, a uh, rebellion against the civil authority, Henry VIII takes the position of um, um, trying to uh, stop the Lutheran influence in England. And for that, he takes, um, he appoints, uh, appoints uh, uh, Thomas More as one of uh, the persons to try to oppose that. Okay. Uh, okay, so these the things uh, develop, uh, and at some stage, the uh, <clears throat> Bishop of London asks uh, uh, ask Thomas More to write uh, against the heretics. Um, and this is the first um, dialogue that um, uh, Thomas More writes in, uh, in 1529. <clears throat> um, and then also, once he is made the the, the the Lord Chancellor, um, this um, this bill of Parliament that I mentioned uh, means that the uh, civil authority uh, has to identify those people who um, are uh, somehow uh, disrupting the peace of the of the country. Uh, they uh, and they have to um, uh, somehow um, bring them. Uh, to justice. By bringing the justices, uh, uh, this implies that first the civil authority is the one that persecutes the heretics, and then um, they put them to the court of the bishops, because of course uh, it is the bishop, the one, the bishop court, the one that has to declare whether someone is a heretic 
or not. And once declared as heretic, once again, is given to the civil arm to impose the punishment that uh, according to the to the that act of parliament is and can be even um, the burning of okay. now uh, then uh, there are many cases in fact those people who have I have not studied it, the things in, in in detail but those things that people who have, in the during during the the time that um, <clears throat> Thomas More was the Lord Chancellor. Uh, uh, six people were executed, and three of them, uh, Thomas More, uh, was much more implicated in all the um, seeking the heritage. Uh, sorry, the the, uh, with the 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 witnesses, the the testimonies, etc. To to follow the the things more closely. Okay, so that's the situation. Your first recommended book is a short biography written by Reformation historian Father James McConica. Why does it top, top your list? Well, I think that um, you see, <clears throat> um, often, often mm, uh, books, biographies portray the vision of the author. Um, it is very difficult to give um, the reality uh, of a person. Um, and, Okay, and I think that uh, uh, James McConica um, gives a, a very accurate uh, view of uh, Thomas More. It is a very short book, just 64 pages. Um, it, um, I think that has a very good understanding of Thomas More as uh, a, a very good friend of his friends, a, uh, a, a humanist, uh, with the clear idea of service to society, the, the, when we speak of humanist nowadays, uh, they mean different, something different. But the humanists of the 16th uh, century were uh, Christian humanists. They, they, they saw their study of sacred scriptures in the original Greek. They saw the study of the fathers of the church. The, um, uh, and the of of the um, uh, Latin uh, classical Latin classical Greek as a way as a way of uh, contributing to the evangelization of society. Also aware um, that uh, at the time there was a certain decadence in Christianity, <clears throat> and and somehow they they try to uh, improve um, the understanding of Christianity by. Uh, going to the sources and by um, uh, okay and uh, by fostering the study of the classics. So this is the the Christian humanists of the 16th century. Uh, what they try somehow uh, was a stop by the reformers, mm, uh, and this is a great pity because because the Christian humanists did try to reform the church within the church. Uh, while the reformers somehow uh, didn't. Anyhow, um, <clears throat> uh, Jim Marconica understands uh, that um, Thomas More understood um, marriage as a vocation to holiness. Um, uh, he explains very clearly how he also understood that his contribution to um, towards serving the king was a contribution uh, for the common good. 
not seeking himself. <clears throat> and he saw very clearly that uh, uh, well, mm, that he had to defend the validity of um, and, uh, of the marriage between Henry and Catherine. Um, all this, I think that uh, uh, Jess McConnick put forward uh, very briefly uh, and very, so it reads very well, but I think that that's the, I mean, your listeners cannot see that, but it's a very small book, and I think it's very recommendable. Next is Jared Wegemer's Thomas Moore, A Portrait of Courage. As the subtitle suggests, this biography focuses on his struggles to be a man of courage. What are its main lessons in this regard? Yeah, okay, so Jerry Wugamar starts uh, considering um, what Thomas More wrote um, in translating the uh, life of Pico. Uh, in, the, in, in that translation, uh, Thomas More added uh, the properties uh, of um, a lover, uh, and of a lover of, 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 of God, and also added in the, in the in 12 characteristics of a spiritual structure. And, and Jerry Weber considers that all his life, Thomas More tried uh, to grow in uh, spiritual virtues, and also not only in, in, in the spiritual virtues, but also perhaps even more in his more uh, recent books by Wegemar, he emphasized also the um, classical virtues um, that one finds in the Greek and, uh, and in Cicero on the uh, so in the in the classics. Okay, uh, and um, Wegemar considers that uh, this helped him to um, build uh, his uh, character uh, and, and confront the difficulties that he had. Yeah. Thank you for listening. To read or listen to the rest of this interview and gain full access to our archive, visit fivebooksforcatholics.com and become a premium subscriber. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and give it a top rating on the platform of your choice. That way more people can discover it. You can also support the podcast and help us produce more interviews like this one by making a one-off donation via the link given in the show notes. As little as one dollar, one pound, or one Europe can help and will be greatly appreciated. Thank you once again, and God bless.